This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome clinical psychologist and couples counselor, Dr. Tracy Dalgalish, back to the show. Dr. Tracy is a relationship expert with more than 15 years experience helping couples and individuals. Her work centers around helping women break old relationship cycles and rediscover the joy in their relationships. She just released her first book, I Didn't Sign Up For This, which talks through many common, unexpected relationship dynamics. I was so honored and excited to be able to attend Dr. Tracy's book release party, meet her in real life and celebrate her as we've walked this journey of online therapists and building our platforms together for three or four years now. So I was really excited to be there and celebrate this milestone with her. What I really appreciate about Dr. Tracy's book is that she's working to normalize something that so many of us experience, but that we often think we're going through alone. The way that our relationship changes after having a baby. Many of us aren't prepared for the conflict, frustration, or even dissatisfaction we experience in our relationship when we become parents. It's so common for us to find ourselves carrying the bulk of the invisible labor and living with the resentment towards our partner. When things start to get a little rocky, we might start to doubt the very foundation of our relationship or place blame on our partner, especially when we feel they aren't pulling their weight. But when we can begin to understand that the patterns that are playing out are the problem and that we aren't the problem or our partner isn't the problem, we can work to change the dynamics at play and really find footing and grow stronger as parents and partners. Dr. Tracy previously joined us on episode 14, where she talked about navigating sex and intimacy after having a baby. Today, we are discussing one of the most common relationship dynamics that plays out in parenthood, the underfunctioning and overfunctioning relationship dynamic. We'll learn what this dynamic is, how our background and the gender norms we were raised in contribute to it, and how we can start positively communicating with our partner to create change in our relationship. But before jumping in, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from SF Bay Mama, and it's titled Momwell Helps Moms Be Their Best. The Momwell podcast is a game changer. Erica brilliantly bridges the gap between the expectations and realities of motherhood. Each episode offers valuable insights that resonate with my own journey as a mom of five. From professional tips to heartfelt stories, this podcast is a treasure trove for any mom navigating the beautiful chaos of being a mom in this moment. A must listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave this review. It means so much to hear from each of you and your stories and how we're walking together on this journey of motherhood. I appreciate you so much. Now let's hear my conversation with clinical psychologist, Dr. Tracy. Did you know that moms aren't the only parents at risk for postpartum mental health concerns? All partners face major adjustments during the transition into parenthood, and everybody is at an increased risk for developing depression, anxiety, or other struggles. The postpartum period brings a lot of difficulties from sleep deprivation, to uncertainty in your role, to difficulty bonding with your new baby. I want you to know that mental health matters, not just for moms, but for all partners. If you're struggling to find your footing as a parent and aren't sure what to do, the best thing you can do for yourself, for your partner, and for your baby is to take care of yourself. 
Working with a therapist who understands and specializes in the adjustment to parenthood can help you work through your feelings, navigate the difficult changes in your life, and determine how to meet your needs so you can heal, thrive, and show up as the best version of yourself. It's time to break the stigma, to reach out for help, and prioritize your mental health. Motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. Connect with one of our qualified maternal mental health specialists today. Find out if we serve your area and book a free 15-minute virtual consultation at momwell.com slash booking. That's momwell.com slash booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Dr. Tracy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I just have to say I'm so excited to see you, friend. It's been such a long time. Thanks for being here. My goodness. Thank you so much, Erica. I was thinking about the first time we sat together way back in 2019 when you first launched the podcast and look at where you are today. It's wild. I know. We've really been a part of each other's journeys and getting to see each other grow. And as we sit here today, your book is about to launch and I am so excited for you. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been such a journey and I can't wait for people to read this book. Yeah. Tell me about how the book came about. Like, I know that you are a couples therapist, a psychologist works with couples. I know that a lot of your research and schooling was in attachment and couples. And so now you've got the, I didn't sign up for this book coming out. How did it emerge? How did it come to be? Mm -hmm. Such a good question. I found myself sitting in front of people, whether they were individuals, a mother or a man or a woman, heterosexual couples, couples in general. And when I say that, I mean like couples who were blending their family, Mm. dealing with stepchildren or ex-partners, couples who were dealing with in-laws or the postpartum mental load or postpartum Mm. depression. And I kept hearing the same thing show up over and over again. And that was one or both partners saying, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. Mm -hmm. And just recognizing how our relationships come to this place where they are no longer the one that we said yes to. Mm -hmm. And they've changed, of course, as relationships do. And the other piece that came with that was then I finding myself crying in the shower after my second was born, saying the exact same thing. I didn't sign up for this. Mm -hmm. And I found myself sitting in front of couples often wishing that they could see the other client I had just worked with or the client from the week before and thinking, you're not alone in this 
very difficult struggle that you are experiencing. That's not to say that people are not unique in their own struggles, but rather it's to say, gosh, you know, it is just so hard to navigate relationships. Mm -hmm. And especially when relationships are in a tough space. And so I found myself wishing that there was a book that had stories of real life couples of the challenges that they were facing. And that's where the book came to be. I didn't sign up for this. It goes through five stories of couples, four couples who are in my office. And then the fifth case is my own in terms of the changes that we made in my own marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing that happens where we idealize what our partnership should look like, right? Like we've got this really romanticized ideals. We've got these ideas of the one we've got, you know, the feelings of love that are so intoxicating that we continue to chase after them. And then we hit parenthood or we hit other challenges in life where all of that kind of settles. And so like no one really talks about that part. Like that part didn't make it into the Disney storyline type Uh of thing. And so I think that when parents find themselves in that dissatisfaction phase or like struggling phase, they think that it's often just them because, you know, we don't see that represented. We don't hear about it often. Right. And what we know is the majority, 67% of couples will experience a significant decline in their relationship satisfaction in that first year after having a baby. Mm -hmm. And that many couples will continue to struggle on to year three, where couples who don't get intervention necessarily, so they don't go to therapy, many of them will continue on to improve and many of them don't. Mm. And what was fascinating as well, Erica, is that I started to see couples show up in my office around the mark where their kids were three and five. Mm. Because of course, what happens at this age is that, you know, we might be sleeping a little bit more. We, I mean, for us, my kids are six and eight. We are not sleeping through the night still, but Mm. let's bust that myth that Mm. you need to get your kids to sleep through the night. But in the sense of, the piece of your children are not needing you to the same level they were when they were a newborn. Because at that stage, parents often say, we feel like two ships passing in the night. We don't have any time to put into our relationship. We are just in survival mode. Right. So it makes sense then that a lot of couples don't show up earlier for therapy because they just don't have the capacity to enter into this work and to add one more thing on their plate. They can hardly take care of their own needs, Mm -hmm. let alone prioritize the needs of a relationship when they're hardly functioning themselves, right? Like it becomes really difficult to put the time and dedication and effort in when you're just, even like your basic needs, like sleep and things are hardly being met in those early years. Yeah. Yeah. I really love the like storytelling approach of the book and how you can introduce really complex concepts, I feel like in a narrative way that makes them feel really approachable. So it's like a different kind of self-help book, I would say, in that sense, like it's very story-based. And one of the themes that emerged was the over-under-functioning dynamic. And I've learned a bit about this, and I find it so fascinating. So I'd love if we can spend a little time in this space, because I have seen it play out Like, I think once we understand what this dynamic looks like, I think we can see it play out in all kinds of places, actually. Right. So when we're talking over-functioning and under-functioning, maybe we can put a bit of, uh, like, definition to it. 
Yes, absolutely. So this is a dynamic that shows up. It's one of many dynamics that commonly shows up for couples. And when we think of the dynamic, what we want to make sure we understand first, I'm just kind of going to go high level, is that we exist in all dynamics, in all relationships. When one person moves forward and expresses a need, it invites the other person to respond in some way. And it's really important for us to look in our couple relationships as being a dynamic. I say that to take the blame out Mm -hmm. because sometimes one partner feels blamed or like one partner is like the, in the better role and that we should be more like this role. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that we remove the blame and to understand that this dynamic, this pattern or the cycle is the problem, not blaming each other and pointing fingers at each other. So I always like to start there because I know oftentimes people say, you know, my husband doesn't want to go to couples therapy because he's afraid he'll be blamed. Mm. And there is no blame when it comes to this pattern that you're stuck in because you're both co-creating this dynamic. Mm -hmm. So the over-functioner, what this looks like, the over-functioner is when it comes to household, domestic labor, the mental load, the child care, the relational, emotional load is that we often find that women are the over-functioners. And this means that they hold the mental load, the to-do list in their mind. They're often the one that is bringing up the hard conversations. They're often the one that is taking responsibility for everything that needs to be done. It's like the CEO or the manager of the family This is someone who is making hard decisions, is the frequent problem solver. Mm. I've got a solution for everything. That is the over-functioner. And then the other piece too is that this is someone who will identify as a caregiver. And as soon as I say that, it really falls naturally into the mother position, the Mm -hmm. caregiver, the natural caregiver of a family. And I use that in quotation marks intentionally. Challenge though is the overfunctioner is also more at risk of feeling anger and resentment because of the heavy load that they carry. The underfunctioner, in turn, is someone who allows somebody else to make decisions. They might ask questions like, How can I help? Just tell me what to do. Perhaps they appear more scattered or they're disorganized. They struggle to take initiative. They maybe even rarely show that they're competent. They avoid bringing up really hard topics. And some, this is someone who might even feel inadequate in their relationship. And I think it's important to understand too that someone in the underfunctional role can also easily feel anger and resentment because it's like someone's always telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like the externalization here because I think that in this pattern, as I've seen it play out, like one person often gets pigeonholed as the problem. And when we view our partner as the problem, like what solution is there to a flawed person, you know, we get really gridlocked. But when we can see it as a dynamic that feeds each other, there are solutions. There are things that can be done to unpack this and to do it differently. Now, like, it makes me wonder how we find ourselves in this pattern mm-hmm. because you're describing like the overfunctioning and a lot of the care roles falling into that and the invisible load and the mental load. And I'm like, surely we are socialized, you know, in part to take these roles, maybe even in our families expected to fulfill these roles. Like, I imagine I functioned 
as an overfunctioner, as a parentified child, as a like for many years before even my partnership, right? So what kinds of things maybe lend itself to this dynamic? Mm. I like already that you're bringing up this socialized piece and the parts of us that already exist within us. And I'll, I'll tell a story and it's a light story that I think actually can weigh with big consequences in the sense that when I first started dating my partner, I thought while I was at the pharmacy at the drugstore one day thinking, well, it'd be so nice that I pick up his deodorant. I remember that this is the kind that he likes. And so I'll make sure I have it at my place for him. Hmm. And over time, I became the deodorant purchaser. And then I became the household manager of all of the items that we need in the bathroom and then all of the items we need in the kitchen and, 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 and. And so Mm. here I am in this good position. I want to be the good girlfriend. I want to be the good wife or the good mother. I'm intentionally using quotation marks because this can, for many of us, be messaging that we received early on. Please others, don't say no. Take it all on. You can do more. Strive, strive, strive. Mm. So that is one piece for sure. We also think of What did we see our parents do? What roles did they play in the family? And so I can remember with one client that I worked with, I had asked her if her and her husband had ever sat down to talk about what roles they saw their parents play and what roles they didn't want to take on. And it was this aha moment for her of, oh, we actually didn't talk about it. And oh, wow, I'm doing exactly what my mom did, which is I never sit down. I'm doing all of the things. I'm telling my partner what to do and when, and I'm exhausted of this. Mm. And same thing with her partner who was under-functioning is also taking on a very similar role in terms of their relationship and what he saw his father do. So definitely what we saw and experienced growing up, but there's another element in here too in terms of how does this develop. This dynamic develops as part of attention that we experience in our relationships. And the tension is that we are trying to find this balance that we don't know how to do because for many of us, we don't take courses to teach us how to communicate and how to be in intimate relationships. We are trying to deal with this tension we feel by being an autonomous self, an independent person, while also navigating what it means to be connected and intimate. Hmm. And what I'm talking about there is when we can balance both of those that's interdependence. We're trying to build interdependence. But to build interdependence in a relationship, we need to be differentiated. Lots of psychology terms. For those listening, you don't need to know the psychology terms, but here's what I want you to know. That in a healthy relationship, we have our own thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, wishes, and values. And an individual who can be differentiated is someone who can say, I feel, I need, and to withstand their partner's reactions or feelings to sharing what it is that we feel in need. One of the hot conversations that we have in my community is how our partner's mood impacts us. If mm. they come home grumpy, then you know we feel like we take it on and that we then have to solve it or fix it, find the solution, find what's wrong, or we personalize it and internalize it. And being differentiated, creating a healthy relationship is about being able to depersonalize that and create that separation, not in an avoidance way of saying, those are your feelings, you go deal with them. Hmm. But in a way of saying, I see you have a hard time right now. Doesn't mean it's about me. 
but I can also find a way to support you in a way that works well for you. So it's the self and other. Mm -hmm. The differentiation piece that's also really important is acknowledging that your partner also has their own feelings, thoughts, opinions, and desires, and that we have to be able to make space for those and to hear them and to listen and to have empathy and compassion for them. And when we can do that self and other piece, build this understanding, this connection, we can then co-create what it is that we need to move together, like solving the mental load problem, Hmm. like solving how we're going to parent or the in-laws. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's making me think about a conversation that I had with an author named Mara. She wrote the book Needy. And we were discussing our personal needs versus relationship needs and how often when we come out of families where maybe our needs weren't cared for or they were neglected or when we don't have boundaries and we pour ourselves out to everybody – that there is a hope and an expectation that someone will just like rise up and take care of our needs for us because we caretake for everybody else. But really, that's not our partner's role or responsibility. And although it feels nice to be acknowledged, and it, of course, feels nice to have thoughtful and caring things done for us, ultimately, 
we have to take some radical responsibility for our own individual needs. And then we can like focus on the needs of the partnership, but they are distinctly different. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's just a really important piece. And it was such like a aha moment when we were talking it through because we are often conditioned to overfunction. I so often hear from the community, like, can someone just care for me the way I care for others? Can someone just mm. anticipate my needs the way I anticipate other people's right. needs? And there is just like a real longing to be cared for. And it makes so much sense, but also like we have a hard time doing that for ourselves. I love that you're bringing this up. And it's so important because the other common piece that I hear from many of the mothers that I work with is around, I just wish my partner would. I wish they would Mm. validate me. I wish they would see all that I'm doing. I wish they would something. And a lot of the work that I do with the people that I work with is being able to say, okay, this is not who your partner is. And that's really hard. Mm. And can we grieve that part, that desire and longing that your partner is not that person? And then what would it be like to go inwards and ask yourself, what is that about for you? What is it that you're needing? And when can you, how can you start giving this to yourself? And one of the challenges I think of relationships today is we do put all of our need, our buckets to get filled up with our partner. And mm-hmm. that's just not possible. And, and of course, we know why, right? We, we do, we're not in communities. We're not connected in the same way that we once were. Our families live further away from us. It's harder to depend on others. You know, social media leads us to feel more isolated and alone. We're not connected in person, having these deeper connections. And so then we turn to our partner and we want them to be able to give us everything. Mm-hmm. We want them to be able to fill the hole in the bucket that we have. And our job is to fill the hole to patch up that bucket and then to start filling the bucket ourselves. I remember Mm. one person had shared with me that their husband had PTSD and was not able to give her massages in the way that she needed them. She really needed this like deep pressure connection. It was a way of feeling soothed, feeling close. And so recognizing her partner isn't able to do that because of his experiences and his internal world, she would get massages every two weeks. And that would fill up that need. So then they could find other ways to meet each other's needs, which really is that piece of co-creating your worlds. We can't go to our partners and say, you have to give me all of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like getting creative with getting those needs met or like taking all of our eggs out of one basket and finding other people in our lives or other solutions or ways to get those needs met. When it comes to the over-under functioning, it plays out in so many different ways. I feel like it really perpetuates the invisible load. There's like a really unique relationship there that I haven't quite parsed out yet, but I just feel like they're distinctly different things, but they are so intertwined that I'm not quite sure how what to make of it just yet. Uh-huh. But there's something here that really makes it difficult to begin to break out of these patterns. Because Uh when you create a list of all the things in the invisible load, let's take the fair play cards. They're incredible. They're a, a great tool that make things visible and tangible for people. But if I haven't broken out of my over under functioning pattern, I could 
divide those cards out all day long and still just pick them right back up or nothing would really shift or change then. Right. Which is the calling on the internal work that we need to do. And that is that important piece in coexisting or co-creating is that I have to do some work inside of me. It's almost like this, like underneath, like the underpinnings, I think is about is like how I frame it, that this dynamic is the underpinnings. And then in order to solve the problem, bring in the cards bring in the task division, bring in the other strategies. But if we're not solving what's at the core, that dynamic, Mm -hmm. and then also the individual stuff, which leads us into that dynamic, then how can we do the cards? Let's use an example with the mental load. You know, how many people listening have had the thought, it's just easier if I do it myself. Mm. Me, I have had that thought, right? Or, okay, um, they didn't do the whole thing. So next time I'm just not going to ask for help or it takes more time to get them on board. They're not going to do it how I want it done or how I would do it. Or on my timeline. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I have a timeline. They don't do all the steps. They, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, it's funny. I, I remember even my husband now makes the lunches, but at the beginning when my kids started going to school, I really wanted to hold on to those lunches. I really wanted to control this task so much so that then when I gave the task over to him, I was still making the muffins that were going into the lunch. And then I was still telling him all the things to put in it. And then I was still cutting up the vegetables to put into the lunch. So, you know, in Eve Rotsky's language, what was I doing there? I was doing all of the CP and giving him the E, the execution. I'm doing all the conceptualization. I'm doing all the planning. Mm -hmm. And then he's executing. And I was still in that example over functioning which doesn't then invite him to step up to the plate. And now, several years later, he is a fantastic muffin man. <laughs> he knows how to make the muffins. <laughs> you know, my, my kids doubt that I can even make the lunchbox now because it's the task that my husband does, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I think that part of this is us being able to step back from something and acknowledge that, hey, there is no right or wrong way to do this task. And... I have to, in some way, let my partner struggle a little bit along this journey to be able to step into this space. But I I think that if we're still over-functioning, we're going to perpetuate that heavy mental load and invisible labor within ourselves. Yeah, because my question becomes, like, what step do we take forward in breaking that cycle? But as you're saying, in this dynamic, if we continue to overfunction, they're going to continue to underfunction or, you know, be sort of the helper, mm-hmm. you know, in quotes, which is a really common complaint. Yes. Or continue to be the person that's like, what do you need from me? Where's Celeste? What do you need, want me to yeah. do? The taskmaster, right? Like, here's the task. Yeah. Here's what to do. Here's how to do it. And so shifting even our piece shifts the dynamic, even when we're not exerting control over our partner, like us setting a boundary or deciding to not pick it back up does have its own ripple effects. But is that where we start? Like, in, like let's say someone's listening right now and they're identifying like, oh, wait, classic over-functioner here. Because I mean, I can certainly relate. I'm sure that many moms probably can. Then what? What do we do about that? You know? <laughs> So I think awareness and insight is really powerful and a great place to start. Mm. That if you decide to 
And again, I'll go back to the lunch examples. If I decide suddenly I'm like, "Mm, not making lunches. And then I spring it on my husband on Monday morning being like, oh, well, who's making lunches today? And if I had had the precedent of already making lunches for weeks on end, he's going to be confused. He would also be frustrated. And this would also be a setup for failure. So when it comes to shifting this, it really is about having a conversation with our partners around building awareness for this dynamic. And when we do that, we don't want to do it in a blaming or an accusatory way, but more of a curious, empathic, compassionate way. And we can say to our partners, it's really interesting. I listened to this podcast and I learned about this dynamic. Do you connect to any part of this? And I encourage people to actually start talking from the we, from the I place rather. So you're wanting something to change, being able to say, I think I'm the over-functioner and I think I step into this a lot. And then I get mad at you for not helping and maybe even I get critical, right? And then I get angry with you. And then away we go, we get into this fight and you feel like you can never get it right and you never do enough. Hmm. And so I think something that we need to change and look at is how are we actually doing this dance back and forth and what it would look like if I were to give you some of these tasks and then learn to step back. Mm-hmm. And that again comes back to Eve's fair play card division, which is let's look at these tasks and let's divide them and see what you can take on, what we can toss because they're not aligned with our values anymore or during this season, and then what I can take on. But it is this element of we need to get our partners on board and to also connect it to the whole relationship. And you and I before talked about sex and desire Mm. postpartum. And if you are carrying a heavy mental load, it will impact your desire. Mm -hmm. And your connection with your partner and your feeling seen by them. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code MOMWELL50 to get 50% off your first box. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirin Areem's psyched mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes, And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create All The Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. 
We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code RAGE20. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's interesting because in either place in that dynamic, the experience isn't good, right? Like Mm-mm. to be the underfunctioner is to feel somewhat like helpless and incapable or maybe micromanaged or critiqued or however, you know, they might define it. But it's probably not great. It's certainly not empowered or confident or like an equal partner in that team. And as the overfunctioner, feeling resentment, feeling taken advantage of, feeling underacknowledged, feeling all of these things. So, like, equally suffering in their own way and feeling discontent while also like growing apart or growing more disconnected. Right. And I've been having some conversations lately about just the importance of being in the like, trenches together, like just this team, like being together, even though this is hard and even though it sucks, like if we feel like a team in this hard season, that goes such a long way for our intimacy, our connection, how we are coping with this stage of life. But it can easily, I don't know, it can be difficult to get to that teamwork place and easy to just sort of be fused with our feelings, I think, on either end of that. Yeah. And so let's go back to the, so where do we actually start? And that is about the willingness to see that this dynamic works against you too. It doesn't lead you to be connected. And over time, it's going to lead you to feel further apart. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, this dynamic, while it doesn't feel good, is familiar. Mm -hmm. And familiar is safe. We like familiar. Our brains like to know what's going to happen. Or are we going to take a different path, which is hard and challenging, but by doing that, something could change. And what I mean by taking the hard path or the different road is by saying to your partner, I'll just stay with the lunchbox example, but like, I can't keep making the lunches, that there's so much on my plate. I need to offload something. Would you be willing to take on the lunches? Which means you're planning everything and preparing it. Can you do that piece? because it's becoming too much on me. And we can work on the phrasing in there. I didn't do it very well, Erica. But you you know, Mm -hmm. what we need to understand though is to break this dynamic, we have to be willing to sit in our own uncomfortable feelings when we see our partner upset. Mm. When we see Mm -hmm. our partners struggling to, oh, the kids are complaining again about 
ham sandwiches and, you know, they're not liking it. I don't know what to make for lunch. We have to sit in that discomfort of not taking over, of not stepping in, of not saying, oh, well, have you tried? Well, why don't you, here, let me grab Pinterest and I'll look up a bunch of ideas and give you some some lists for next week. And seeing our partners upset, it doesn't mean anything about us or our lovability. It means our partners having an experience and it would make sense for them to struggle. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But we have to be willing to sit in that and not fix it, take it on, or problem solve. I think one of the things that make this particularly tricky and one of the things I write about a lot in my book is when being the overfunctioner is ingrained in our beliefs of what it means to be a good mom, mm. then we don't want to relinquish it because this is like the measuring stick by which we judge our performance and whether we're fulfilling our role. Mm-hmm. So when we get our measuring stick mixed up with self-sacrifice and, you know, self-martyrdom and putting everybody's needs before our own and owning all of the tasks and, you know, being the one that holds the maternal knowledge and knows the children and knows how to soothe them and meet their needs, then to hand that over to not be the one to do it is like threatening to our very identity in motherhood because, I'm no longer good at my role or I can't do all of these things by myself that I need to ask for help. Like, how come everybody else is doing it and I can't do it? So we can get in this real, like, Mm self-surveilling, guilting, like this place where we're just, we beat ourselves up and we go internally rather than looking outward at, like, the dynamic or the system because we get, yeah, just stuck in this being our measuring stick. We tend to do one of two things. We're either going to blame other people or we're going to go inwards and blame ourselves. Yeah. And yes, women, girls, they're taught to look at themselves and be responsible for all of these things. And so it is breaking these cycles and old messages that you should have to carry all of this. Mm. And it really is kind of that separation of, you know, at my core. And I talk about this in the book in the sense of like, what we need in our relationships and all relationships is the sense of belonging. It's not just belonging with another person, though. It's also a belonging within ourselves, believing that we are worthy and we are lovable and we have to start from that place. Mm -hmm. And the other stuff does not define us. Those are the things that we get to choose to do or choose not to do. Mm -hmm. We know those patterns, right? Those narratives of comparing yourself to other people We're really good at doing the upward social comparison instead of the downward social comparison or just not even comparing at all. Mm -hmm. But then the other piece of tuning out the noise and being, you used the word radical earlier, right? Of radically accepting that I have these hard thoughts and feelings that show up every single day and that these are just thoughts and feelings They are not truths. Mm. They are not my truths. They do not define me. And can I find a flexibility when these thoughts show up to then say, I'm not going to hold on to this so tightly. I'm going to imagine putting this on a cloud and watching the cloud float by or, you know, with another client recently, we talked about like a car drives by and you put the thoughts in the car and the car drives off. Mm. So we kind of get playful with our thoughts and feelings. We don't have to hold on to them and buy into them, but instead asking ourselves, What do I need to be well right now? Mm -hmm. What's going to be meaningful for me and for my family? 
Yeah. And I think that with the lunch example, we'll continue with the lunch example, (laughs) is if your partner is doing it differently or if you see pictures of the first week perfectly curated lunches being shown on Instagram and think for a second, oh, I'm not doing that or it's not up to that standard because my partner does it this way or like whatever. And you feel that like pang of like, I'm not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. There also has to be some self-compassionate statements or some coping, soothing coping statements in those moments to say, I am not defined by the lunch I make for my child, right? Like being a good mom means X, Y, Z to me. We return to things like our core values. We return to things like really attuning to and meeting our child's like emotional needs and these other sort of attachment-based needs Mm -hmm. versus these more sort of superficial performance-based or doing-based needs. Because I think that even that mom guilt, aside from the partnership dynamic, causes us to step back in and, and pick those things back up. You're bringing up a really important piece, which is that we need to be coming back into what's really important, and that is dependency. And I mean that in a healthy way. Oftentimes people are like, oh, dependent, don't be dependent. But what I mean by that is we all long to be connected with other people. And that it's our sense of connection and that relationship back and forth that is really important. And in a world that is so busy right now with noise, Mm. with more tiles than I can even keep up with in terms of what I should do when my kid is having big feelings or how to approach picky eaters or whenever the next tile is that I'm seeing, we have to be willing to tune that out and come back into ourselves and then saying, or acknowledging or honoring, how can I build this connection with my child in front of me? If I take that to the relationship, which is how do I build connection with my partner right Mm. here? How do I turn towards them? And it was a funny example when finally the kids had left the table for breakfast one Saturday morning and I was just so excited to jump into my book. I was right at the spot that it was getting good. And my husband sits down at the breakfast table. We're both eating our breakfast. And then he says, huh, the grass is starting to grow. And that is a bid, a bid to connect. Mm. And I'm reading my book thinking, I just really want to read my book right now. And so I turned to him and I put my book down and I said, yeah, you know, what are you thinking about in terms of grass? He's like, oh, you know, just kind of like the summer and what we've done. And so in this, you know, mundane Mm. comment about the grass, there are always these choices of what I'm going to do in that moment. Am I going to choose to turn towards them and connect and explore and be curious and see if they need something? Or am I going to stay in my book and turn away or turn towards them unkindly and say something like, oh, you and your grass comments, stop being so obsessed with grass. It's ridiculous, Mm -hmm. right? That doesn't deepen our connection. Mm -hmm. But, you know, kind of circling back in a world where it's so busy with noise, what we want to come back to is how do I turn towards the people who I love and care about, trusting that there's a part of me inside that is okay, that I belong, that my partner belongs, and we can do this together. Mm -hmm. And I know so much of your book is focused on building and maintaining that connection on the attachment relationship. Attachment injuries is a whole other conversation I'd love to have with you on another day. (laughs) There's so many pieces here that help to build and maintain that connection for people. I'm so excited for you. So happy for all that you're doing and building 
where can people find the book? Where can they find more from you, learn from you online, your podcast, all those things? Absolutely. They can find the book. I have multiple links on one website, drtracyd.com forward slash book, or the book is available on September 12th, anywhere where you pick up books. And there are some great bonuses that are coming along with the book as well. that are going to support you in making changes in your relationships. That's really exciting. And one of my favorite things to do is I tell people say hello to me after listening to this episode. So I'm on Instagram. That's the place where I like to hang out. It's Dr. Tracy D. My website is drtracyd.com. And I would love to hear what stood out for you, what resonated from today's conversation. Yeah. And we'll make sure to share everything in the show notes. I can't wait to come and celebrate you at your launch event and see you in real life, give you a squeeze. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for sharing in the release of your book with us. Appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Erica. And thank you to everyone who joined us today. I'm so grateful to Dr. Tracy for sharing her story and normalizing the struggle so many of us find ourselves in. It can be hard when we find ourselves living out a relationship that doesn't look like this romanticized Disney ideal of what we think love should be. And the truth is that relationships can be messy, especially when we're navigating this major transition into parenthood. I want all of us to remember that if we find ourselves falling into this overfunctioning and underfunctioning dynamic, that it's not our fault, that we didn't do anything wrong, and we didn't intentionally sign ourselves up for this. We likely fell into these patterns when we were in survival mode, and we thought we were doing what we needed to in order to be good moms. And at the same time, it's important for us to understand that it's not our partner's fault either. When we feel hurt or resentful, it's easy to see our partner as our opponent. But when we can work together as a team, and when we can each do the internal work that Dr. Tracy talked about, and when we can acknowledge together that we've fallen into this dynamic, without blame, shame, or accusations, we can change the way our relationship looks. I would love to hear what you think of this episode. Send me a DM and let me know what you thought. Or if the episode really resonated with you, I encourage you to send the link to your partner or share it with a friend. If you're feeling stuck in your relationship or you connected with this dynamic, but you're not sure how to bring it up with your partner, Our therapists can help you learn the communication skills you need to navigate conflict in a healthy way. You can book a free 15-minute virtual consultation with one of our mom therapists by heading to momwell.com slash booking. That's momwell.com slash booking. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I am being joined by parenting expert Sharon Maisel, to discuss all things baby's cues and learning how to trust ourselves in parenthood. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center to join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to momwell.